Hello and thank you for joining us on the Praise Christian Center podcast. I am Pastor Kofi Banfo and I'm here with my wife Jane. We hope you enjoy today's message and are blessed by it. Please remember to connect with us on social media and through our website. Enjoy. Stepping into purpose and Purpose is something that everybody is always asking. You know, there are four, what we call four existential questions that humanity is always asking. And we ask this question consciously and unconsciously every day in the way we relate to our world, the way we do relationships. We are asking always, without even realizing it, or consciously, the question of why am I here? What am I here for purpose? When will this purpose, this life that I'm leading, the things I'm doing, when will be the culmination of all this? And who am I? Question of identity. You know, the search for relevance and significance in our lives is a quest of every human spirit. We want our lives to be significant. We want our lives to be relevant. And we ask it in every day in how we do things. But purpose is the definition of purpose is the reason for a thing. Or in Miles Monroe's book on purpose, he says the original reason or intent for a thing. And I can understand that because in John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says that the thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am also come to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows and is also a joyful life. Because Satan also has a purpose. And that, that's his purpose, to steal your purpose right before you were born. And that's why Jesus, Jesus said, I also came to what? To reclaim back your purpose. To buy it back and to transform it and, and align it with the purposes of your, of your heavenly father. You know, in Revelation, let's go look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. The Bible says this. His tail swept across the sky and dragged down a third of the stars and flung them to the earth. And the dragon stationed himself in front of the woman who was about to be delivered so that he might devour her child as soon as she brought forth. Satan, even before you came into the world, before God dropped your body and your spirit together, under your birth, he had wanted to steal your purpose. Because purpose is something that is huge in us. Just look at the life that we just read in John 10.10. 10. It's a scripture that I love going back to every time in my relationship with God. That God has deposited in my heart and your heart. I call it life on four levels. An abundant life. A life that is so much that it flows out of you. A joyful life. A life that is full and is more than enough for you. 
That is what is inside of you. And Satan, even before your birth, longs to destroy purpose. Because purpose, there is nothing that can enlarge your life than purpose. We look at Abraham's life. Pastor Kofi is teaching Abraham the faith and life of Abraham on Thursdays. Abraham had nothing. God tells him that he should step out, that he's going to be the father of many nations. Purpose just brings that enlargement to your life. Purpose enables you to travel and live your life with an aim. That's why there's so much hopelessness. Scripture says also in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9.26. 1 Corinthians 9.26, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, I do not run with uncertainty, without a definite aim. So purpose, what? Aims and focuses your life. He says, I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. Because Satan is the adversary. And when you don't know your purpose and live this succinctly and purposefully, he's after it every day. And so for some of you, this might be a reminder For some of you listening to this sermon, it might be a confirmation. But I think what is really stirring in my heart when I was studying this is more what I'm sensing in this season is that God wants to awaken. You know when you want to wake somebody, awaken the sense of urgency in his people of a purpose in this hour. Hallelujah. He wants to awaken it, that that you see your life as not just punching some keys Monday to Friday or selling something on the phone in your organization. Your purpose is larger than that. Mark Twain, the American author, says that there are two important dates in a man's life. The day he is born and the day he finds out why. Hallelujah. Just go and let that rest on your heart. Two important days, the day you find out why you were born. Come with me in your Bibles, please, church, to 2 Timothy 1.9. Step in into purpose. Stepping into purpose is a gradual, everyday waking up, putting one foot in front of the other and living this abundant, overflowing, joyful, more than enough life that is in you. 2 Timothy 1.9, I'll read it from the New King James Version. Hallelujah. Who has saved us? Are you there? Who has saved us? And has called us. So he has saved us, our Jesus. Then he doesn't just save us. He called us. Not with just any calling. With a holy calling. That means your calling lines up with his eternal purposes. With a holy calling. Not according to our works. But according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus even before time began. Let's unpack this. Many Christians know that they are saved, but many of us, I believe, do not live or live called lives. When you live as a called person, your life is very impactful, very significant, very intentional on how you use your time, how you use your energy. Hallelujah. He says that he saved us. Then he called us. 
But it's not just any calling that you have in your life. It's not just the calling of the few behind the pulpit. He said he saved us, us, all of us. Then he called us. But not with any calling. Then what? Then he graced us. Grace is the strength and the ability of God coming to you, energizing you to do purpose. You know, when Pastor Kofi was introducing me, this morning, I sat here this morning, I said to him, I am tired. Physically, my body is tired. I've just flown transatlantic. I've preached six sermons. I did two more yesterday. I was going to go to Lagos this morning. So my body is tired. I slept at 2 a.m. every day I was in Washington. I just couldn't get into the rhythm. So three hours sleep every day. However, my body is tired. But something in my heart is just energizing me to pour into yours. And that's purpose. It's so big that I want, to, I want to do the same, that God, would you use me to make that deposit? So the body is tired, but that grace, that strength is reaching from above. So he calls you, he saves you, then he graces. That means he energizes you to fulfill purpose, to fulfill it. And the Bible says, according to his own purpose. Before even time began. So your purpose, the reason for your being here in this moment was set. Even before God created you and put your spirit into your body. And before your parents even came together. So you can see the magnitude of purpose. If God arranged for you. What you're going to do before even he created you. Let's continue to labor on this. And I, it is my prayer that the Holy Spirit highlights in his own way to your heart and emphasizes and raises this consciousness of having that relevance and significance for your life. Amen? Amen. So you are saved, you're called. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 you know, you can write it down, says that, for it is by free grace, free grace, God's unmerited favor that we are saved and delivered from judgment. And we are made what? Partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. It is not of your own doing. It came through not your own striving. It is a gift of God. There's a song that I was sharing in the first service that I heard it first in Rwanda. It's a Hillsong um, song, but in Rwanda they have two services. When we're in Rwanda this summer, an English service, then they have a Kriyawanda service where they minister in their own language. So in the English service, they sing English songs. And the song, I'm not going to sing it. You know I can't sing, and, and so I'm not going to sing. I'm going to rap, though, in this sermon. So that's coming up. Like they say, on the itinerary, there's going to be a rap session, and I would dance. And my children said she didn't dance in public. She needed, I know, am I bothered? I can move this. Dance, I would dance. Singing, I wouldn't do because I don't have the chords. I've not been trained in singing. So, but the song says something like this. It's called, I Know Who I Am. Not that Sinatra one. It says, who am I? Just give you a few of the lyrics. That the highest king will welcome me. You know, I am, I am, I am, he's my father. In my father's house, there is a place for me. You know, so who are you? 
because identity is consequential to purpose. Because when you know who you are and whose you are, you live differently. You live differently. So identity is important. Who are you? Because he says we're saved by free grace. And so I love the song because it says, who am I that the highest king would welcome me? And that I'm, you, you and I are welcome called into the salvation. And the Bible says it is free grace. It's unmerited. So here we are broken in a world that's broken, a world, world that God created beautifully that's broken. He calls us. He saves us. Then he puts this calling on our, in our hearts. But guess what? You and I didn't bring anything to this deal. And we struggle with that. It says free unmerited grace. Your degrees, your profession, your money didn't even get you the salvation. It's free. And that rattles our head. We can't deal with free. You know, I said yesterday in my, my meeting, Christians only understand free when it comes to food. Because when people are full, they will still be getting it. Only food. And when God says, I love you, I love you, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Don't get it twisted. I still love you. Guess what? It's like, oh, what do you want? What do you want? What does God want? Because that free, that's our heading. Because we live in a world, a world of conditions. But let's take this further. Ephesians 2.10 now. Let's same verse 2. Um, chapter 2, I beg your pardon. Let's look at verse 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'll read it from the... NLT this time. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See your purpose? Let's unpack this. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew means that you have never been seen on the face of this earth. Your life is brand new to do the good works. One of the synonyms for we are God's masterpiece, some of the translations will say you are God's workmanship. It means you, my brothers and sisters, are a work of outstanding artistry and craftsmanship. Another synonym says, you are a showpiece. You are a gem. <laughs> Let me read you what the Urban Dictionary, I picked up some of the definitions from the Urban Dictionary. That's everyday speak on masterpiece. But let that word drop in your heart. You are a work of outstanding craftsmanship and artistry. You are a limited edition one-off. Yeah. The Urban Dictionary says this. So I'll read it, then I'll do my rap. Yeah? Get ready, Sinead. <laughs> so after the first service, all the, those who are nearer my age or younger than me, they all love my rap. As I knew you would, sister. <laughs> I'll read, then I'll do my rap. Before it's too late, girl, you better stop fronting. Remember, I just came from the U.S. of A. as well, so I'll throw in a little fake American accent in a moment. Before it's too late, girl, you better stop fronting. I'm one in a million, a limited edition, because I'm fresh and clean from my head to my feet. I am the definition of the word, masterpiece. 
How's that? <laughs> As I was studying the scriptures, I thought, God, is that how you made me? So I began to rap. And I thought, I'm going to take this public. <laughs> I'm going to take this public. I'm going to get a producer. I'm going to say, my mama always told me I could sing. <laughs> the day I get my grand, my mama always told me I could sing. And my teacher told me I couldn't sing. But here I am. I'm a one, you are a one-off. One-off. Showpiece. You are a showpiece. Limited edition. Oh, let me go to Africa. You are a limited edition, mama. Just you. They might say people look like you. Your sisters, your siblings, even your children. There will be similarity, but in terms of your essence, your characteristics, and how God formed you, one-off edition. Limited edition. I love buying limited edition stuff. I have a scarf that's limited edition, and I buy it. Why? Selfish reasons, really, because only a few people will have it. But even that, some people have it. But when it comes to you, you are a gem. I don't know who, who hasn't told you, but I came to remind you, you're a gem. You're a one of peace to show off works that God designed before even he put you together. Hallelujah. But I said earlier that identity is very consequential. Knowing who you are enables, because identity, purpose, potential, all flow together. They're interdependent. So let's look at one more scripture, another scripture anyway. Ephesians 1 verse 11 in the message. I will look at it in the message. Ephesians 1 verse 11. If they can put it up there. It is in Christ. That's how you find who you are. Only it is in Christ that you find out who you are. Identity. Who you are. Christ answers. Salvation answers for us the question of our who. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. The purpose. What we are living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up. Because without Christ, we were described as a people without any hope. I know in my own life that when other people told me what I should be or what I look like as a teenager, I immediately felt hopeless. Long before we heard of Christ and had our hopes up, the Bible says he had his eye on us. Amen. It means he was seeking you out. That's why I love some of the songs that he's written. You know, God, I'm chasing after God. Really, he also came, he chased us first. And then we realized this is so magnificent, I must chase after him. So he says what? He had his eye on you. So God literally says, I want him. I want her. I want him. I want her. So when your parents or people say, oh, we're not planned, oh, you are not planned. The contraception didn't work or whatever didn't work. Well, there must be somebody who knew you were coming and bypassed the contraception. Somebody say amen. amen. This should deal with any rejection because you are here. You know why you are here? Because God wants you here. Amen. He planned before you and chose you. And he chose you and has works for you. He put even your purpose before you were born. 
So purpose, identity, your uniqueness, the fact that you are one of peace, and your potential, they're all interdependent. Because you are created for your particular purpose. The, the psalmist says, come on with Psalm. He says, for you know my frame. That means that God shaped you in the, in the purpose-driven life. Rick Warren calls it, everybody has a shape. S standing for your spiritual gifts. H for your heart. A for your abilities. P for your personality. E for your experiences. Shape. And the psalmist says, for you know my shape. So you are shaped physically in. God always does in work before out work. Because we live so focused on outer. You are, that's why people always tell me, you don't look like a minister. You don't look like a pastor's wife. And I say, I'm still waiting for my job description. I'm still waiting for the uniform for the pastor's wife. So I can wear my uniform. Hallelujah. But he says, God shaped you what? Inside out. So your shape is unique to you. The E the, are the experiences, both positive and negative. He wants to use them to fulfill purpose. Amen. But the devil tried in those, some of those negative experiences to shatter purpose. And in salvation, Jesus reclaimed back that purpose. Because all he's doing is buying you back there. So he wants your experience, your personality, the way you are. You know, I, I cannot minister like my husband. You know, I tried once to be like him. He said to me once, you know how, have you noticed how Pastor Kofi can hold the microphone and his iPad all in one hand? Oh, I, I think it's so cute. This is me. <laughs> it's just a skill that I kind of, I just like it. It's, there's something graceful. So he said to me, since you're so active, Jane, maybe you should preach like that. I go, oh, yes, I will. So I tried it once. Hey, next week I'll teach on process and you'll see, I'll come more about that. So I did it. I got my um, iPad the way he holds it. And unfortunately for me, yours truly was preaching at church where I don't have this. So I need my hands, because you know how I use my hands. So I had the microphone, like how Pastor Kofi does it. He does it some way. The Africans say some way. Where is here? And then the iPad. So I tried it and wrote the iPad. I lost all the notes. I lost all my notes. My saving grace is a principle that we learned in Bible school. You remember that? When you finish studying... You step back from your notes. You check through the Holy Ghost that your notes are in you. So should the wind blow, they told us, whilst you are ministering and your notes fly away, the notes are in you. So the notes are in me. And really the notes are the Holy Ghost. It's that part of us always depending. Because he says he saved you by free grace. So it's the grace that enables you to fulfill purpose. So you're shaped for your particular purpose. Say amen. Amen. You know, purpose has always had time attached to it. Come with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3.11. Purpose always has time. There's a time frame to purpose. Ecclesiastes 3.11. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages 
which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy, yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I want to take this from the last, last words and then go to the, the top. He, men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. You see, your purpose we read in Scripture was set even in before time began. So God is the one who holds what we call the blueprint. Remember, an architect always has the road blueprint of the building that has not been built. Or in pregnancy tests, when you take a pregnancy test and you wait to see if you're pregnant, you wait for the thin blue line. So the thin blue line, the outcome of the nine months of maturation is on that strip. God also has the blueprint. So the Bible says that men cannot find out even what God has done. So you're only in God, in Christ, that you find who you are and also how he's working out that purpose. Then the Bible says that he has put in your heart, it's a divinely implanted sense of a purpose. He's put in your mind and heart. So your heart contains all your desires, your affections, your dreams, your longings. Look at what the word of God says. God, like an implant, he has divinely implanted it. So though adversity, hallelujah, challenges, things can come to attack that purpose. Guess what? You put it in your heart. It's always there. When you add your faith to it, any point in life, you can pick up your purpose. You can awaken aspects of it that you have allowed to sleep or go to, or, or to, go to sleep. Then it says that it's a, it's a God makes everything beautiful in its time. Not his time, its time. That means that purpose has a maturation. It has to mature in order for it to be beautiful. I shared in the first service that I have just discovered almost everybody in the service knew, except me. I have just discovered all these years that green pepper, yellow peppers, Red peppers all come from the same plant. Did you all know that too? Oh, there are a few like me. Oh, it makes, that's comforting. Really? They're going to hell. <laughs> Green is the unripe form of the pepper. Yellow is like the mid-ripe. And I, the, reason, the reason I buy the red, because it's the sweetest. I love it. I eat it almost every day now in my salads. Every day. I put in everything. Purpose, he makes everything beautiful in its time. That means when you strike up your purpose at a certain point of it, when it hasn't matured, it's not beautiful. He is the one who makes it beautiful. It means it's not ripe. So it will still be edible, you understand, but it's not ripe. So there's a maturation attached to purpose. Let me read you this quote by Shelley Valentine, the bored housewife in the musical. I have led such a little life, and even that will be over soon, she says. I've allowed myself... To, to lead this little life, when inside of me there was so much more, and now it's all gone, unused, and now it will never be. Why do we get this life if we never use it? Then she goes on to say, I am an extraordinary woman trapped in an ordinary life. Does that sound like your life sometimes? When inside you, it's not just any life. Inside your heart this morning, child of God, 
It's four levels of this life. Life that is wants to burst forth out of you to touch a lost and a broken world. And somebody said, the thing that kills us as believers is not sickness or disease, but it's all the unused life that we carry around. Unused life that we carry around. Come to 2 Corinthians. I will read from the message version 6. 2 Corinthians 6. Verse 11. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11, from the message. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. Your lives aren't small. The smallest you feel comes from within you but you're living them in such a small way. And I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Dear, dear Praise Christian Center members and friends, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. Our lives aren't small. The purpose in our hearts is huge. I titled the sermon or this, this pieces, Stepping into Purpose. So whilst the purpose is huge, Whilst the life in our hearts is huge, it is unfolds when we let our spirits join with God's spirit and every day we step out with that purpose. You see, many people are waiting for what I call a whoo thunderbolt moment. Oh, I got the break. I got this awesome job. Oh, I'm making, making 100K. I got this. Brothers and sisters, purpose is looking for the God factor. Looking. Every day, as you catch the train and you smile to that person, if you have a beautiful smile as I do, I use it. I work it now. I have understood why it was given to me. So I'm trying to minimize my sulking even more because it warms people's hearts. That even in the mundane, everyday life, and I'm going to break this down in a minute, everything, purpose is being released. Every day in the boring, Colossians 3.23 says it, whatever may be your task, whatever, whether you're washing dishes, whatever, you're parenting, whatever, you're punching, do it as unto the Lord. Romans even takes it further in the message, Romans 12.1 and 2. Take your everyday ordinary lives, you're going to, to work, you're, you're running around, everything you're doing and place it, I'm paraphrasing before God. As worship, that's purpose every day. So the reason why I could wake up this morning, there's nothing like purpose for waking a man or a woman. Tired, but energized because right here I'm fulfilling purpose. Whether it's the one client on, I see on Tuesday or the several purpose. We, I'll come to that, but purpose has timing. It's how it unfolds. And timing is important because sometimes... We can go ahead of God. You know, Pastor Kofi taught two weeks ago on a willingness to wait. And next week when I touch on process, 
That would be a good teaching to listen to alongside that. Because process is how God takes us through. Whilst he makes you to be the man or the woman who can actually fulfill your purpose. That's why there's a maturation. There's time. Even Jesus said it. When his mother asked him to perform that miracle in John chapter 2, he says, my time has not come yet. He understood that he had a purpose. He says, for this cause, the son of God was made manifest. He knew his cause. What is your cause? Just Instagram, just messaging away, just whiling time. Because you see, God lives in one perpetual now. God doesn't have time. So eternity is in, it doesn't have time. But when you and I are thrust into this moment, we come into chronological time. Then purpose starts ticking for us. So purpose has consequences on even how you use your time. How you, how you use the 24 hours in a day. How you use it. Because when you lose it all, when time is gone, Time is gone. That's why they say time is money. When you even say things like, oh, I'm just killing time. Well, you might as well say I'm killing myself. Because it's time. Because in this, however, may I bring a balance to this, that sometimes also because the enemy comes against our purpose and tries to bring adversity, pain. You know, I shared a bit in my own life that I, I, I used to, not anymore, think that because of the bullying and the things that happened to me in secondary school at 14, so I didn't enjoy my school years. I didn't enjoy them until I went to America at 18 and God began to buy back that part of my life. I didn't. The Lord has not, didn't give me back my teenage years, but he has advanced. The Bible says he's doing a quick work and he's cutting it short in righteousness. So I find that they are not doing well in my GCs, GCEs, that time, and all of that. Today, God has compensated me, and he still is. Hallelujah. That's for somebody. He has made up for what I lost. He has accelerated time for me because that was not time that I lost. That was time that the enemy tried to steal my purpose, tried to want to make me aborted by trying to take my own life because I was hopeless also. So if you have lost time, Due to trials, I can tell you today that the father of all fathers, he will make it up to you. God will compensate you heavily for the loss. However, you have to recognize also, how are you using your time? How do you use your time? I have become very intentional about my time and my purpose. And also, even may I add, we'll talk more about this next week in process, but also even how I use my body. How? Because you need your body also to fulfill purpose. So if you don't take care of it, you run it and run it down. And don't follow the theme of Genesis. God created, God rested, then God spoke. We, we work, we rest, and then we get back. That's the rhythm of life. It's in Genesis the possessor of heaven and earth runs that rhythm. So how we use our bodies even, because it's time. Once we come into time, then we are, purpose is being outlived. So the psalmist says in Psalm 90, Psalm 90 verse 12, Lord, teach us, and we need that, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
That means so you know that when, when you wake up in the morning, the time giver has woken you up. Honey, it's not your alarm. The time giver woke you up. And then, so what you do? You acknowledge him first. When you understand purpose, it, it affects and impacts how you deliver in your world, how you live in your world, how you do relationships. You don't waste time on relationships that waste time and drain you, on, on relationships that disempower and belittle you. Hallelujah. Because God will never, I said in the first service, God will never ask you, how old are you today? How old are you? God will say, what did you do with what I gave you? If God is interested about age, then why did he go to Abraham at 85? He who created and knows that 85, the body is fast spent. And say, I'm going to give you a child at 85. It didn't even happen till 99. It's not me, it's in the word. God is not interested in your age. He's not. He's interested in what you're doing. Because he's half given you life. You are here right now. You are in time. It's to fulfill purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything, Genesis 1.28, that God starts in us is a seed. And that's why we have to wait for the maturation of purpose. In Genesis 1.28, I always like to define it as God's first words to his creation. Genesis 1.28, the Bible says, and God blessed them. That means God empowered them, Adam and Eve and you and I, God blessed them. He empowered them to prosper. And then God said his first words to his creation, be fruitful, multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it using what? All its vast resources in the service of God and man. That means use your purpose because in your purpose, I have given you abilities, gifts, and talents, which will come to in a moment that you use to fulfill that purpose. So God taught Adam and Eve the principles of multiplication and increase. Bishop T.D. Jake says that without seed, we can't be fruitful. Without seedfulness, you can't be fruitful because in everything in your heart is a seed. Any gifting you have, you are not a master at it yet. Why do you think they have master's degrees and they have first degrees and then they have diplomas? When you do a master's, they tell you you become a master or are becoming a master of your craft. So everything God gives us is a seed form. An apple starts as a seed. Jesus came as a baby. Why didn't God bring him up at 31 years old, 30 years old, and do what he, it's a seed. A seed, let me give you four characteristics of a seed. I've shared this before, but it's worth sharing. A seed never looks like what it will become. The size of a seed should never discourage you. Wherever you are at in your life, the size of the seed. Seed, number three, is pre-programmed to produce. Seed will always produce because in seed, it's embedded in a seed, the DNA, to grow. And God put your, your purpose, that we read it, a divinely implanted purpose in your heart. So he's implanted that seed. Seed, number four, will, can leave your hand, because you can plant it, but never your life. 
And this works even with giving, with everything we do. So your purpose, the, what God puts in your heart before he brought you into the earth is in a seed form. Every seed has to be nurtured. You have to water seed in order for that seed to grow. So Moses is an example. Moses knew inherent in him that he had the seed of a deliverer, even before he had the encounter with God. He knew. How so? Because in Exodus chapter 2, we read that Moses went ahead of God. It wasn't maturation of purpose yet. To what? To kill an Egyptian, to deliver his people. Because he knew. So some of you, you know. You know your call to greatness. And it's not that because you're bragging, because if your purpose is not bigger than your God, then it's not from God. So Moses knew. And he was raised naturally, even where? In the palace of Egypt. But he went ahead of his time. Let's look at this. Exodus chapter 3. Are you with me still? Is this helping somebody? Is this positioning somebody in purpose? Is this allowing somebody to pick up their purpose? Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 3. Verse 1, I'll read a few verses and then we'll teach. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back or west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb or Sinai, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush and he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire, yet was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, the Lord called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses. And he said, here am I. And God said, do not come near. Put your shoes off for the place on which you stand is holy ground. Also, he said, verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters and oppressors, for I know their sorrows and sufferings and trials. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand and power of the Egyptians and to bring them up and out to that land, to a land good and large, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And now behold, the cry of the Israelites has come to me and have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now therefore... I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said, what we all say is called excuses, diminishing ourselves and our God. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? We, that's why we settled, God settled the question of identity. Because identity is consequential. Who am I to go before the king? Well, you are also the child of the most high king. Just like Moses. Who am I to apply for this job? Who am I to do this? But look at verse 1. The Bible said Moses kept the flock. He had run away 
he tried to establish purpose in his highest form before time, not before maturation. And then the Bible says he saw the burning bush. And then he said, I will now turn aside and see the side. The Lord has been asking us and some of you that would you turn aside? And what the Bible said, when he turned aside, then God called out to him. Some of you have been asking, what do I need to do in this season? What next, God? And he's saying to tell you that he's asking you to turn aside to his face. I remember Pastor Kofi saying two weeks ago, when he was teaching on a willingness to wait, he finished the service by saying, some of you need to go and lie down and prostrate before your God. Moses turned aside. My sheep who know me, and they hear my voice. And then he says, and they are listening, active. Because guidance is an active process. It's not a one-time event. For every season of purpose, every season of the spiritual journey, God is wanting to guide. If you would sometimes turn aside, then God said, spoke to him. And says, go. And then what did God say to him? I have seen. Oh, friend, God has seen your tears. He said, I have heard. God has heard your prayers. Then he says, I know the sorrow and the affliction of my people. He knows. He knows. You think he doesn't know the things that have tried to abort you, the disappointment on the way to establishing purpose? He knows. Yes, I know. What does he say now? I am now come down to deliver you. And Moses says, I, I, I can't do it. He says, he says, who am I? Whenever you diminish who you are, you also diminish your God who lives in you. Hallelujah. Because in you, is something called potential, defined as becoming. You are in a process of becoming. He has endowed you with seeds of greatness. And that seed needs to be nurtured. Hallelujah. And Moses says, and then come to chapter 4 of the same Exodus, verse 1. And Moses, verse 1, Exodus chapter 4. And Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to or obey my voice. For they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? The Holy Spirit just reminded me of something in Exodus chapter 3. So I'm going to share that, then we'll move on to 4. It just quickened that to my heart. When God came to Moses, he says, I am the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He began to list the generations. He said he is a generational God. He is faithful. Faithful is not something God does. It is who he is. He said he is faithful. So how long is taking, if you're walking towards that purpose, you will see his faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and Moses said, they won't believe me. They won't listen to me. Because Moses said, I can't speak. It's called excuses. We all have it. We tell God I'm black. God says, oh. Oh my goodness, I created you black. I should have made you white or blue. That would work. We say, God, I'm short. Like my dog, we were, I was saying this morning, we have a little puppy. Yesterday I said to Kofi, it's Nala finished growing because she just turned one. It was her first birthday. I think yesterday or Sunday, we, we're not doing the party next week. Anyway, I know. Don't, we don't want to go there. But when you get dogs, this is the kind of things you do. So anyway, we, so I said, is she finished growing? Because our dog is physically, no. Vertically challenged. She's this little. When she goes out to the park and she sees the big dogs as insecure 
little people do sometimes. She goes, ow, ow. She's trying to jump up. And, she, and guess what? As high as she goes, you're still here. Or she climbs up the stairs. If it's a delivery man, she climbs up the stairs on a higher point. And she starts, whoa, whoa. Kofi says, go down and back at them. <laughs> and get up the stairs and go down, Nala, and face the door. Whatever height you are physically today, you can fulfill your purpose. You don't need to bark at anybody to get that position. You don't need to yell, I'm black. It's them play the race game. I mean, I have a problem a bit. I've said God was going to make me a Nigerian, Oluwa Yemisi, and somehow I came out amongst the Ghanaians. Okay, I've accepted that passport, but I'm finding my way back to my roots. So I soak my body with pounded yam. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But whoever, Moses says, they won't believe me. Who am I? He begins to list what? All his weaknesses and deficiencies. Every person has weaknesses. John Maxwell says that people tend to work a lot on their weaknesses. He says, the more you work on your weaknesses, the max, max, you get off your weaknesses. Five out of ten. He says, focus on your strengths. Sharpen that raw ability that talent, and make it and hone it in into a skill and become a master of whatever he has given you. Then let's continue reading Exodus 4. And then verse 2, Exodus 4, verse 2. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said a rod. And the Lord says to you also today, what is that in your hand? He said, put it down. Because in your hand, God has put your abilities, your talents, and what will you use to fulfill purpose. In your heart, I want to teach on passion in three weeks' time. Passion is that thing that made me wake up this morning. It's buzzing in me. So, it, so most of us walk around or have this passion. You know, I'm going to be like a, um, a black Bill Gates or I'm going to be a short Bill Gates or whatever. Or I'm going to be this. You know, I'm going to be the top Christian talk host or whatever. You know, like Oprah, I'm going to do this. So passion is our, in our heart one day. And we think it's this huge thing. God put it there. He put that desire there. However, he also put something in your hand. And what we tend to do Hear me out, church. We tend to diminish and minimize and ignore what is in our hand. Oh, I'm just doing computer work until one day I get into my purpose. Don't people say that? Oh, I'm just doing this until. And what God wants you and I to do, or wants his people to do, is to merge what is in your heart with what is in your hand. So watch. So he, that's your word. You always say, watch this. I had a coffee bamfu moment there. So watch. So he said to Moses, put it down. So when we put down what we have diminished that we're doing now in our hands, then he will say to you, pick it up again. And what did Moses wrote tend to? Talk to me, church. Let's preach together. What did he tend to? When you give God your natural abilities, your ability to cook, to fry fish or whatever, to bake, whatever, whatever he's put in your hand, to write, to, to create, and he, you give it when you pick it up. Instead of waiting for the spectacular in our lives, he turns it into the supernatural. You give him that natural. So what we've minimized what is in our hand, waiting one day for that thunderbolt moment. 
That means my purpose. Well, I came to encourage you. Came to affirm and to say, purpose is here now. It is released when you take one step. That's why I've called it stepping. And one step tomorrow. And one step. Purpose begins to unfold. And we're waiting. And he said to Moses, what is in your hand? So what is in your hand? Next week, I'm going to look at I'm going to ask you at the end of the teaching tomorrow five life coaching questions that will bring clarity to your life. So you'll get a free coaching session, but you will not get the benefit of asking me questions because for that you will have to have a coaching session. But there are questions that will help you have clarity about, about process. Because process is the act where God makes you and hones you in and defines you and makes you the man or the woman who can fulfill your purpose. I will share this scripture in closing. It's a scripture that I'm going to use. I'm going to read it every day at the end of the teaching. But let me say this. Please give me some time, guys. Purpose, dreams, vision. People get it all mystified, messed up, right? Isn't it? Purpose is the reason I felt to bring that clarity or intent for your being. When you get that purpose and you awaken it inside of you, the Bible says that when I was sitting in the second service, after the second ser- first service, I was reading the scriptures again, and then the Holy Spirit showed me something that was different about Moses there in Exodus 3. He says, I will turn aside and see this great sight. It's amazing how you always say, slowing down to read and looking at words. And the Lord said, great sight. Because when you are waking purpose, guess what happens? Sight comes. It's vision. So vision, purpose is the reorganizing principle. May I make it technical a bit? It's the reorganizing principle that brings vision from the word optic sight. So you get a vision of what we call a preferred future. Then goals and plans are the strategy, the how-to, which even you do that which your God. Let me read you the scripture in closing. Did you get that about vision, purpose, and dreams? Did you get that? Say amen so I know you got it. Okay, I'll close with John chapter 17, verse 1 to 4. Thank you, Father. When Jesus had spoken these things, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son so that your son may glorify and extol and honor and magnify you. But just as you have granted him power and authority over all flesh, over all humankind, now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all whom you have given him. I want to go to verse 4. I have glorified you down here on earth. That should be a goal for every one of us. That your purpose also in living out your godly purpose is that you will glorify him here on earth by completing the task that you gave me to do. Not the task that my mother said I should do or my parents or my teacher. So that our lives every day should be, Father, enable me this Monday morning to glorify you here on earth. That we too can say one day we have finished the task. Not you are finished. The task is finished. 
Thank you for listening. We trust you were blessed by today's message. And if you would like to sow into our ministry, you can visit our website to give a donation. God bless you. Make sure you subscribe to our channel to hear more messages.